Um, you know, I'd like to think if I was given three minutes to describe who Jesus is, like, that would be what I would want to say. Like, that's pretty good. Like, I don't even think I could come up with that off the top of my head. But at the same time, we have to realize, like, God is just so much more than even this. Like, there's no words that can, can match what he really is because he's just so enormous. He's outside of time, outside of space. And our little human brains can't really comprehend what he is because it's just, he's just so great. Um, but a verse I found that I really liked that did a good job is Ephesians 4, 6. It says, One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So when they're talking about the Father of all, he's not so much, they're not so much talking about all people or all humans. They're talking about literally everything, everything in the earth. So if we read that again, One God and Father of everything, who is over everything, through everything, and in everything. God is in the stars. God is in the mountains, in the oceans. God is in this podium. He allowed this podium to be made. God is in the lighting. He's, he's just everything. God is I am. And that's really the best way to describe him is just I am. Like he just is. Like everything is God. It just blows your mind. Um, and without God, you know, I wouldn't have this opportunity. So I really like want to thank him for allowing me to be created and for him to choose me and for me to be saved and to have this opportunity just to speak, you know, to his people and just be used as a vessel to, to bring him glory and just to, to praise him. Um, so what we're going to be talking about today, one of the big ones they talked about, and it's a big topic, is um, God's sovereignty, right? So the title of my message is Our Sovereign and Righteous God. So we're going to be in Romans 9. Verses 14 through 24. So if you guys want to turn there, go ahead. Feel free. <clears throat> so first we're going to start with what is sovereignty, right? So when I heard this, when God put this on my heart, it's like, I want you to talk about sovereignty. I'm like, oh, I don't really know what that is, God. And, of course, I've been learning. So what sovereignty is, is defined as supreme power or authority, the ruler, the greatest, independent of all others. So that's, that's God. God is the supreme power or authority. He is the ruler, he is the greatest, and he is independent of everything else in our lives. Quite simply put, God is in control, right? Psalm 33:11 says, "The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations." So God's plan will be fulfilled. There's nothing we can do to stop God's plan or prevent God's plan from happening. It's just it says right here, it's going to happen. So over my many four years of being a Christian, um, you know, I've really become interested in what people believe and why they believe it and just why they live their lives. And a big thing that's been coming up lately <clears throat> is why don't people want Jesus? Like, why don't people want the gospel? Like, it's so good. I'm pretty sure everybody in the world would agree that it's not good to murder someone right? It's not good to steal. It's not good to covet, to commit adultery. It's very good to love your neighbor, to help your enemy, to love them, to provide for the weak, to provide for the poor, the widows, the orphans. Like, it's just so good. What Jesus teaches is just so perfect. And I'm like, why don't people just want this? I'm just so flabbergasted. Um, but really what it comes down to is sovereignty. People do not want to allow God to be sovereign in their lives. Because people want to be the supreme authority in our lives. We want to be the greatest thing in our lives. We want to be compared to nothing else in our lives. And it's just, that's what it is. It's just, it's just crazy. 
Um, so we're going to start in verse 14. So if we go to your Bible, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Um, so a lot of people I've been talking to recently as well, you know, that have been going through tough times, and some people I've met at work that have kind of served and kind of wandered from the faith or different things like that, you know, they're, they're angry at God. They're like, why does this happen in my life? Why did God put me through this, this circumstance? I just, I don't understand. And essentially they're, they're blaming God, like God's unfair. Like God is so unfair to me. I just, I don't like this, right? So every morning I wake up, I pray and I thank God that he's unfair. Because if God was fair to me and to us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have any chance. We'd be doomed to the fiery pits of hell. It's just the way it is. So I thank God every day that he's unfair to me. Because he's really, he's more than fair. He's righteous and he's merciful and he's loving and he's kind and he's, and he's long-suffering. And we just have to be willing to accept that. And he'll always accept us and bless us. So we have to keep that in mind that, you know, the bigger picture is God really isn't fair. And because he's not fair, it's, that's what makes him so great through his mercy and his compassion. Uh, verse 15, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. Well, that sounds kind of mean, right? Like, I'm going to have mercy on who I want to have mercy and compassion and compassion? Like, I'm going to pick who I'm merciful to, and I'm going to pick who I'm compassionate to? Like, that doesn't sound like my God. That doesn't sound like the God that was just described up here, right? But you have to understand it in the context, right? So I'll use... Um, Abraham's children as an example. So Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, So Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was born outside of the will of God because um, Abraham and Sarah tried to have a kid outside of God's plan, which you don't do. It's a good example. Um, and Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. So after Abraham died, God accepted and blessed Isaac, and he rejected and didn't, oh, he didn't, not that he didn't bless, but he rejected Ishmael, right? Because he was outside of God's will. Um, but it's not because he picked that person specifically. It's because here in, let's see, sorry, my notes are really sloppy. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1, 4, For he has chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before Ishmael and Isaac were even born, God chose them for specific reasons, right? So he chose Isaac to be his, the child of God before he was even created the earth. So the reason he does this is because God, being all-knowing and all-powerful, knew that Isaac wanted to live a life according to God's will, that Isaac wanted to walk in faith, that Isaac wanted to serve God. And he also knew before Ishmael was born that Ishmael didn't want anything to do with God. He didn't, he didn't have the desire in his heart. He knew the status of his heart before he was created, before the heavens and the earth were created. He knew he didn't want to walk by faith. He knew he wanted to live in his flesh and, and do whatever he wanted. So the point here is that God chooses those who choose him, and God rejects those who reject him. But it's already been determined. There's nothing we can do to get around that. Um, so it's not like you're choosing God. It's not like we go up and we're like, yeah, I'm going to choose God today. And God's like, oh, dang, would you look at that? They chose me. Like, that's not what happens. Like, we don't surprise God in choosing him. Like, he already knows, right? So what it, more of what it is, is we're simply responding 
the way we're supposed to respond to God's calling on our life, right? So God has chosen us, and we're just simply responding to it and accepting that and turning to him, and then we begin to walk in his grace and his plan and his sovereignty. Verse 16 So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. So the same time, it doesn't matter if you will it in your life. It doesn't matter if you run from it in your life. God's plan will be fulfilled. It's just the way it is. It says so in the Bible. I didn't write it, so don't get upset. It's just that's what's going to happen. I remember I used to go, when I was, before I was saved four years ago, I was very bitter towards Christians and God for various reasons and I used to tell people, well, doesn't God already know if I'm going to be saved? Doesn't God already know if he's all-knowing if I'm going to go to heaven and all this stuff? Like, I was trying to shove it back in their face. Before years ago, God shoved it back in my face because now I'm saved and I'm serving God and I'm talking to you guys, something I thought I would never do. So God's plan was fulfilled despite my hardened heart at the time, despite the fact that I was trying to push God away. Um, And we need to take comfort in that because we've been chosen by the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Like, he's chosen us to be his children. He's chosen to bless us, that we would walk in his grace and compassion and security, and that we can always go back to him. And ultimately, that, that God is in control. Um, just take, take note of that. Like, we don't have to stress about anything in this life because it's already been done. He's already, the plan's over. He's won. He's defeated the grave. We just need to go along for the ride, seek God, and enjoy the blessings he has for us. But we like to overcomplicate it because of our little human brains can't comprehend what God's plan is. Um, It says here in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So as you know, me and my wife are going to be having a a baby in January. So that's exciting. Yes, yes. Little baby Noah. Um, But, you know, it's been a little stressful lately. And... You know, thinking about, oh my gosh, where are we going to live? Where are we going to work? Are we going to have enough money? Like, diapers, what are we registered for? Like, all this crazy stuff. Like, what kind of car seats do we buy? Is this the right stroller? What about these bot? Like, what's going on here, right? And we've been stressed. And, you know, my wife expressed to me that she's been having trouble sleeping just from the unknown. And I, I mean, I had the worst week of sleep of my life this week. And just because of the warfare from giving this service. But I, I sent her this message and I said, you know, we just need to be still and know that that he is God, that he has got us, that we are saved and we are his elect and we are chosen and that he wants nothing but the best for us and he wants to bless us. So we don't need to worry about where we're going to live because God's going to provide that for us because he tells us he'll give us all of our needs. We don't need to worry about how much money we're going to make or, I mean, you want to be smart, but you don't need to stress about these things because the hard part's over. We just need to seek his will and he'll lay out the, the pathway for us. He'll be a lamp into our feet and he'll guide our every step. Um, Moving on to verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. So God used Pharaoh here um, as an example of what not to do, to essentially point the glory back at himself. So because his people were enslaved by Pharaoh and Pharaoh seemed to be unstoppable, it was huge for the nation of Israel to be freed, for God to free them because no one thought it was possible. So he used this bad situation to show his glory and what he's capable of because that's how we comprehend it. He has to put it in earthly things for us to understand, right? But through this here, 
if you read Pharaoh, it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart towards God. Ten different times it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart towards God after each plague. So what's happening is Pharaoh is rejecting God's calling on his life, rejecting what God's trying to show him, and he's deciding to harden his heart towards God, right? So after those ten times, the Bible then says, and then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So the two translations here of hardened are different. So when Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God, it was actually he was intentionally making it harder, trying to push it away, right? Callousing it. When it says the Lord hardened his heart towards Pharaoh, what it means here is that the Lord was setting in place, that he was stiffening and he was confirming and firming that. So that's something we have to be careful because God will give us what we want. So God's going to try to show you through your lives, through various trials and things that this is not what you should be doing. This is not my will for your life. That's why you're struggling. And when we reject that and we don't see and seek what God wants for us, we harden our heart. And here it shows that God gave Pharaoh what he wanted. I will confirm your hardened heart. And that's a scary thought. Like, we have to be careful of that. So if there's a trial you guys are going through that's just like, man, I don't know why this just keeps happening. It's because you're not seeking God on it, because you're not handling it the way God would want. So we need to go to the scriptures. We need to seek God's will and know and find out what he wants us to do in this situation. That's why he gave us his word, so we might use it. He's trying to help us, but we're just stubborn. Um, Verse 19. Mm -hmm. Let's see. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? So this is interesting. These are people that like to play the blame game on God. They like to say, well, God made me this way. He made me angry. He made me upset. He made me the person I am. So, I mean, doesn't he already know this is what I'm supposed to be? And they kind of use it as an excuse to continue living the way they're living for their own fleshly desires. Um, But the Bible also says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God did not make us this way. We chose to be this way through our flesh by by following what we shouldn't be following, by sinning and falling short. Um, And it's kind of interesting, in uh, Genesis 3.12, Adam actually is the first example of someone who blames God for his problems, right? So Adam's hiding from God in the garden, and God comes over saying, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, the woman you gave me, to be with, she made me eat the fruit. So he's like throwing her under the bus saying, well, God, it's your fault because you gave me this woman and she deceived me and she made me eat it. It's like, are you kidding me? You're seriously going to pull that card? And I'm sure you guys know people like that in your lives that it's everybody else's fault. It's not my fault. Oh, this, this happened because they don't like me and because they're out to get me and all these different things. But, but that's not, we can't be doing that to God. It's not fair, Right. Some of the most interesting people that I've met that do that are people that don't even believe in God. And I'm just just like, whoa, what's happening? Because it's like, first you don't say God's real, and now you're blaming God. So if you're going to blame God, admit that he is God. Say, okay, God's real, and it's his fault. That's a good step, because now you're admitting there is a God, right? So it's like, you've got to make up your mind. It's just, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes with these people, right? Um, We need to know what's right and wrong and choose the correct path. Because, as I said, God made us perfectly and, uh, and wonderfully made. And that's what makes him so righteous and loving uh, through his sovereignty that he gives us the, the free will to really choose um, what we want in our lives. He loves us that much. So I used the example in the first service. Uh, the reason why my marriage is special is because 
my wife chose me out of all the men in the world, for some reason, to marry. And I chose her out of all the women to marry, right? If we were made from day one to love each other, it wouldn't be special. The same thing with God. God wants us to choose him out of all the gods and all the things in the world, money, cars, clothes, whatever, you know, Buddha, whatever, all these different things. He wants us to choose him. That's what makes us special. And he loves us so much that he'll give us what we want. He loves us so much that he'll let us try to figure it out. Um, and that's just the amazing thing about God, that he loves us that much that he'll still create us, even though he knows we fall short and we might not choose him. It just shows you the, the immensity of his love. Um, verse 20. But indeed, old man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? <clears throat> so this is fun. Um, so who are we to reply against God that he made us wrong, <clears throat> right? So God made us for a reason, for specific purposes. And for whatever reason, we think that we know better than God and that, you know, God, I don't think I really want to do this. I think I'm going to go in this direction because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And God's like, doesn't make any sense. So you think about the potter and the clay, right? So when you make a pot to hold plants, that's its purpose. So this is kind of silly. Imagine you make a pot. Like, okay, I made a pot, I'm going to put a plant in it. And the pot says to you, you know what, I'm going to go be a hammer. I'm going to go hammer some nails. And that's what I'm going to do. You're like, hey, pot, you don't make any sense. What are you talking about? You're supposed to hold flowers. And he's like, no, I think I'm going to go hammer a nail. I'm going to be a hammer. You're like, but you're going to break. You're going to break yourself. You're going to chip yourself. You're going to be decimated. And he's like, I don't care. That's what I want to do. I'm going to go nail some nails. That's what we do to God. When we go outside of his will, we're like, you know, God, I think I'm going to go and do this because this is what I want. I think this is a little more enticing. And God's like, you weren't designed to do that. And that's why we have so much suffering in our lives because we're, we're doing things that we're not meant to do. That's why we're broken. That's why we can't put ourselves back together because we continually try to nail this nail in when we're a pot and it just doesn't go in because it's not what we're created for. Um, just kind of a funny little example. Made me chuckle this morning. Um, where was I? <laughs> Crazy, talking pots? What? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Does not the potter have power over the clay <laughs> from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and one for dishonor? So God can make what he wants. He can make someone for dishonor and honor, right? So, because <clears throat> that's what God does. He creates what he wants. So if you look back, Cain and Abel, it's a great example, made one for honor, one for dishonor. Obviously, Abel, honorable. What happened to him? Unfortunate, but he's in the Faith Hall of Fame now. And Cain was for dishonor. But again, it shows us how we should be living our lives. Okay, we probably shouldn't murder our brother, so take note of that, because that's not what you want to do. But at the same time, God still blesses him. God still helps him and provides for him at the same time, right? Noah and the world. One honor, one dishonor. God did it. Some people say, oh, God's so, God's so mean that he destroyed the whole world. Yeah, it sounds pretty mean to us, right? But at the same time, we're, we're, we're messed up. We're not what we're supposed to be. What do you guys do with a painting when you make it and you don't like it? You throw it away. You throw it in a shredder. Whatever, you cut it up, tear it up. I, you know, it's just like, I just thank God that he used Noah for honor and the world for dishonor to show us that he's still graceful and merciful. A lot of times we forget that point, that he, so many times in history he could have just been done with us and just thrown us away. But he just continues to provide for us and love us and just 
and just be there for us. It's just, it's amazing. Um, verse 22 through 24, we're going to close with this. Nice. Uh, what, if, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessel of wrath prepared for destruction? So the same, same thing I was just saying. Cain and Abel, Noah in the world, Moses and Pharaoh. Like, God is long-suffering. God suffers long with us through these trials. And don't mistake God's long-suffering for God's weakness. Don't think because you're getting away with something that there won't be a consequence. Because eventually, the people that are living that way will be cut off. And it's going to be... It's going to be too late, but it's just time and time again, God just continues to provide for us and suffer long and just endure with us. I mean, some people that I have, you know, grudges against, I can't suffer long with some of them. I'm just like, I'm over these people. So I don't know how God can just continue to just bless me and provide for me, even though time and time again, every day I fall short. It's just, it blows my mind. Does not, oh wait, I just read that one. And that he might make, his, um, make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews, but also the Gentiles. So guys, right here, we have to understand that when we're in Christ and when we're saved and we have our salvation, like we're locked in, we're sealed, right? That's the way it is. And we have to understand that we're prepared. He prepared us for glory. He prepared us to enjoy his blessings. He prepared us to live a life that we're really not deserving of. Um, and a very interesting thing happened this morning. Um, it kind of tied this whole message together of God's sovereignty and righteousness. Because I was still kind of having trouble wrapping my mind around it. But I have three siblings. And my sister sent us a group text this morning. And she said, today is the 13th anniversary of the day our lives change forever. So 13, I didn't know this because my sisters keep track of like every milestone in their life. And I'm just like, so I, t- I called her. I'm like, what are you talking about? What happened in our lives? It, lots of stuff has happened, right? And she goes, today, 13 years ago, is the day that we were taken away from our family and placed in foster care. And I would be in foster care until I was 18. And it's just amazing because during that time I was, I remember being there and I was so angry at God and I was just so hurt. And I'm like, God doesn't love me. God's not providing for me. Like, where is God? Why is this happening to my family? And it, it really just shows me God's sovereignty and God's plan and righteousness because it shows me that 13 years ago on this day when I'm give my first service ever, it's about sovereignty, about God's plan that 13 years ago today, he was already preparing for me to give this service. Because at that time I was, I was broken and I was hurting and I was like, I just don't understand God. I was blaming God. I'm like, you're so unrighteous. And, and this morning it just like hit me. It's like my whole life has been like that. Like everything I've gone through, every trial has just been preparing me for, for glory, just to be blessed. And now looking back, all those things that I endured, it's, it's like I'm able to see it for what it is that God wants to use it to bless other people. And without even being in foster care and going through that stuff, that wouldn't have happened. Like, I wouldn't be here sharing the message, sharing the gospel of Jesus. Like, who knows where I would be? A lot of kids in, in foster care are messed up. But thankfully, God had a plan for me, and God protected me during those times, and he provided for me. And he showed me over those 13 years that, you know, he is great, and he is merciful, and he forgives. And I just thought it was just 
mind-blowing to know that today was the day that that happened and that I'm giving a message on sovereignty and God's plan and how it, everything works out despite the fact that we don't see it. And just I was just like driving over here and I had like stopped the car because I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is like a little cherry on top of everything. It's just, this is... And then I was so scared because, I, I mean, my biggest fear in life is public speaking. And I was like, all week, I made myself sick this week. Like, I was so tired. I was stressing. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. What am I going to do? I, like, it's my biggest fear. And, and then that happens. And it was like, instantly, the Holy Spirit, I got chills. And it was just like, nothing mattered. Like, I don't care. I'm like, let's do this right now. Like, I just want to serve my God and just share what he wants to share and just encourage people because that's the God I serve. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Uh, dear Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I just thank you for your sovereignty in our lives, Lord, that despite the trials that we go through and despite the things that um, we've endured and will continue to to go through, Lord, that, that you have a plan for us and that you have chosen us, Lord, and um, that you want to provide for us and just love us and just bring us along in this plan. I just thank you for the lives represented here, Lord. I pray that the message would just encourage us and um, just build our faith stronger in you, Lord, and that we wouldn't turn away from you in those difficult times when when we're separated from our families or when we lose our jobs or, or when whatever might happen, Lord, that we would just recognize that you are God and that you have a plan and there's a reason why it's happening and that you ultimately use it to get for good because you love us and we are called according to your purpose. So I just pray that you would just bless this rest of this day. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.